all you Lasso fans. This is Peanut Butter and Biscuits, your Ted Lasso fan cast. I am your host today, Craig, joined today by my co-host, Mr. Jeremy Geckner. Biscuits with the boss. How are you doing, boss? Oh, man, it's always a great day. And I always like when people call me boss when I don't do that much. I mean, it's a really sweet setup here. I mean, everybody else releases these shows but you know i i i made a logo like six years ago so now i'm i'm, I'm the boss that's cool i'm good with that, it that is the american dream right you that just is. go all the way to the top <laughs> and now you're just you're just getting all the credit now just uh, coast on everybody here. else's stuff <laughs> now i want to say thank you to the outpouring of support and the additional uh five-star reviews on apple podcast we have this one review here um, from Disney fan JS from Charleston that says, oh. uh, Justin was the best part of this show. And so I hope that he comes back again. And I guess because true. of that, we had to bring you back on Justin Suter from Disney dad's podcast. Well, one, that guy sounds like a genius. I mean, I'm just going to go with that. Uh, and two, I am so happy to be here. I've spent all afternoon today screaming at children on the soccer pitch. So I am ready to rock and roll and do some <laughs> Ted Lasso. Led Tasso came out all day long. Let's jump into it, boys. Yeah, we we definitely need to hear your Led Tasso as we go throughout this episode. Uh, we are into episode eight, and I think that this is really going to hit uh, pretty emotionally close to home. And it is, you know, it is the... Uh, definitely the the most somber, I think, of the episodes that we've covered so far. But there is so much to dive into here. So we are going to get right into it right now. Going to take it beat by beat because there's so much that happens in this episode. Starting off by we see Dr. Fieldstone talking uh, about Ted's refusal to be vulnerable with her own therapist. I kind of like that, that you see that dichotomy of the therapist talking to the therapist. And then <laughs> we get her bike accident that happens shortly thereafter, right before the opening credits. Justin, go to you first here. How do you feel about this opening and kind of that vulnerability that we're seeing from Dr. Fieldstone now, kind of shoe on the other foot? I love the fact that the show opened this way prior to the bike accident. I love the fact that she, you know, if she calls her therapist and her therapist is like, you're never going to get Ted to open up until you can open up yourself. And, you know, she's saying like, you use your genius to uh, disarm people just like he uses his comedy and his wit. And she's going through this, these perfect analogy of these two and really how they disarm people and how they get people to like them. And then you get one of the darkest moments of this entire series with this horrible car wreck, her being hit on her bike, you know, and just everything in her world seems right where she wants it. Beautiful day, you know, music's playing she's riding and boom the world has changed for our uh, our good doctor friend here yeah and we yeah. find out how important later that bike is to her but jeremy did you have some thoughts show of hands who thought that this was going to get really dark for a second with that last shot because blood on the pavement just spilling out and you know broken taillights and everything i was like oh god did we just go there Thankfully not, but yeah, I, she I did not turn into Doctor Tombstone. That was good. No, no oh, I like God. it. Well I tried. done. I tried. Ted they come to me. Struck again. Yeah. <laughs> no, but you're right. Um, this is given so much greater context, and again, you know, the context of this whole episode. This is really Fieldstone taking her therapist's advice, isn't it? She actually does open up more to Ted and, you know, kind of understand him a lot more in this episode. But yeah, this opening hits you like a ton of bricks. And I think that that's for a reason, because there are many parts of this episode that are about to hit you like a ton of bricks, least of all the ending. But 
Yeah, this was this was one of those things where, again, like Justin, you mentioned in our last episode, Dr. Fieldstone finally starting to open up as a mm-hmm. character and not just to Ted, but to all of us as well. And we're starting to get the good sense of not only her power as a therapist and what she can do, but who she is as a person. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, we do get the opening credits. After that, we get this great scene where it's just Beard and Roy staring off at each other, which I think is wonderful. And then Keely walks in, poor Keely, and it's just like, I just need a spokesperson. This is going to be fun. And he looks at both of them. And uh, of course, Roy and Beard have no interest in this at all. But who does? Our egomaniac from last episode, Nate the Great, picks that up, and he's going to be the spokesperson now. So I, I liked that. Uh, not too much to comment on there. Just the, the fact that we get to see Roy and Beard interact. Every time that it happens, I know that that is something you really enjoy, right, Justin? Uh, anytime I can get a... Uh... <laughs> I am extremely happy uh, with the world. If I could just refer to all conversations with grunts, it would be a perfect world. And the fact that you get bearded him, and then I like that beard looks at me and says, "I appreciate that you didn't have to use words." And he goes, you know, it's, just, yeah. it's such a great line. And like you said, then a good old Nate comes storming in. I'm going to be a spokesperson. You know, it's just, <laughs> oh, just the worst. You just cringe yeah. every time nowadays. Just so perfect. And then now we get to see kind of two different cell phone calls from dads coming in uh, while they're in the workout room. You get to see Jamie ignore the call that's coming from his dad. And then you do see Sam pick up the phone call uh, from his dad. And you get the news that the oil company is going to now stop drilling in Nigeria. We finally get a callback to this athletic activism Uh, story beat that we had in episode three. And honestly, that was one of the things where I was like, are they really just going to drop this story? Where is that? that I I was very surprised that it took this long and we did find out a bit more. So we are recording this and trying to release this as the episodes come out. It has come out since our episode four, Carol, the bells, that that was actually an added on episode later. Mm -hmm. And so uh, they filmed that Christmas episode well after the rest of the season uh, was done and uh, had already been written. And so that's why it was really kind of dropped in as this sort of uh, fun holiday episode that is timeless in a way, because it doesn't include a lot of those story beats, but me, I was hoping to see a little bit more of that uh, as we went throughout the season here, but we do finally get to hear that uh, they are stopping the drilling in Nigeria, and Sam's dad is very happy about that. Talk to me about the two interactions. You know, we've got a Disney dad on the podcast, so we have to ask him. Talk to me about the interactions here with the fathers, because then, of course, later in the episode, we are going to get some actual, um, not interaction necessarily right away, but we certainly get the interactions towards the end of the episode with Jamie's dad as well. Well, I think, too, we we discussed it last week that we see multiple characters um, have this need or want to either impress their dad or, you know, the dads want something from them. And I think this is just for me. It should have been a really happy moment for me to watch. I'm crushed watching Jamie watch someone else have a positive relationship with their father. Like for Sam, I'm so happy, but Sam's a happy go lucky guy. He's, you know, like, I feel like you could throw the world at me. Just like, okay. You know what I mean? I, I, I'm going to take the, take it with a grain of salt and, you know, glass half full and I'm going to do what I can to be a good person. Jamie needs those moments of positivity in his life and doesn't have a lot. And that's why he can be kind of a, you know, a punk, 
through a lot of the episodes. And it just crushed me, man. I don't know if you all felt the same way. I didn't really get happy watching Sam get this amazing news as his dad saying, I'm proud of you, son. Because you know Jamie's never heard those words before. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it's, it's that dichotomy between the two. But remember, Sam's dad also was, and really like, we can kind of lump Nate's dad into this as well. Um, none of them, they're, they're so they are so hard to give any kind of compliments to their sons. So remember when it was almost like, and again, the magic of editing a television show, you don't really have a lot of time between text messages. But remember, Sam was like, I'm doing this thing for Dubai Air. It's really mm. fun. And then immediately the guy is like, here's six articles why you're a terrible person. Yeah, he you was know, so, loaded and ready. <laughs> <laughs> he was ready. He was ready for that. Uh, had that ever become the case. But yeah, no, I totally agree that, you really start to feel for Jer- for Jamie in this episode. I almost said you start to feel for Jeremy. Jeremy, I feel Jeremy asking, too. You, can you feel know. for me. That's all right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you no, Jeremy. You can tell I, me about it. No, Justin, I'm in the exact same place. And Craig uh, can speak to this too because he knows that Jamie's been my favorite character aside from, you know, Beard and Ted um, in this series because Phil Dunster as an actor is really growing into this part so well. And because... You know, I, I had a little bit of a speckled history with my dad when I was younger. And so I can relate to this uh, quite a bit. Now it's way better now. And it was all circumstantial, but you're right. When I was watching that, and that was the thing from season one that stuck with me, even though there were so many great scenes and so many things, that image of Jamie scared on his own in this room while his dad throws cleats at him and yells at him. That was the lasting image of that season to me, all while uh, Marcus Mumford's amazing You'll Never Walk Alone rendition is playing. You know, it's just like one of those things that just like, I need to know where this is going to go. Because remember, what was Ted's justification for bringing Jamie back? He said it was Sam and his dad. It reminded him that Sam has a great dad, but not everyone does. Again, we talked about this in the last episode. The dad issues are really all over this season. And especially with what happened here with Sam's dad, with Jamie's dad, and of course the revelation about Ted's dad at the end here. This is really showing you, I think, also, again, the core premise of this series, which was episode three of of, of uh, season one, where Ted tells Trent Krim that his focus isn't really wins and losses. His focus is making them the best versions of themselves. And, you know, they're really diving into how that's a hard thing <laughs> to do because you have to deal with a lot of things. You're right. Jamie, I don't think, is a punk because he's a punk. He's been seized. It's the nature versus nurture thing, isn't it? He has been grown into this because he's had terrible influences on his life. And I was right there with you, Justin, the whole scene. I was just like, man, I feel so bad for him right now. Yeah. And he forgets to, to help uh, poor Colin. Poor, <laughs> poor Colin, Colin is always just, just the, the Guinea pig that just always bad things are happening to me. Poor Colin is trying to bench press <laughs> way more weight than he should have with those frail arms. Yeah. And uh, he just can't, <laughs> He's sitting there just being crushed as uh, as Jamie looks over. But yeah, it's it's one of those things where this show does such a great job of reminding us that even though people are wearing a smile or even though people are being an ass, they still are hiding something underneath or may have something going on. And And for me, I think that Jamie's character just plays this so well because you empathize with him like you sit there and watch what he's going through and you know maybe maybe i've never had the same exact experience but there's been moments where 
you see someone else's joy and you know you can't have that joy because of your personal situation. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to, you know, throw it out there at people. You know what I mean? Because you want them to have their moment, but you're dying inside. And you can mm-hmm. see him as a character dying inside because all he wants and all he's wanted his whole life is for his phone to light up and for his dad to say, I'm proud of you, son. And look, he's an accomplished footballer. I mean, he's an amazing, you know, he's done amazing things. So it's definitely a disappointing scene for me to watch. I feel so, so bad for Jamie. I completely agree. But this is Ted Lasso and they do believe in rom communism. So we're going to get into Rebecca and Sam a bit here. So you do get a, a great uh, scene in Rebecca's office. I'm saving that scene because it has a great line in it that may appear later in a, a certain segment that we like to do. But then you get to see basically Sam trying to ask the mystery woman to dinner through banter. And Keely is telling, uh, this is where Keely is like, no, you have to go to this dinner. And then of course, Rebecca responds that she is going to go to dinner. We are going to see this finally. And then you get this really fun setup of a scene that's coming up where Isaac is going to cut Sam's hair because this is an important milestone. You're only allowed one of these a year. And apparently Isaac is just a magician when it comes to hairstyling. We didn't know this about Isaac. Did you know this about Isaac, Justin? I did not. And as someone who cut everyone's hair in the dorm when I was in college, uh, I never got this glorified stage or lighting or background music to, uh, to perform what I considered during (laughs) then, uh, a great haircut. So uh, it was fantastic. You know what I love about this? And, and you see it when he's on the bike and he's <laughs> he's looking at his phone. I love that it was a constant uh, portraying arc of three dots, three dots, three dots, three dots. Because everyone with a cell phone knows that feeling. We've all been holding <laughs> yeah. our phone, waiting, watching the three dots. And then the worst thing ever is when the three dots disappear and you're just left holding your phone with your old text message you sent. So it's so it, they played that so, so well. that he goes, three dots, three dots, three dots. And then finally the text pops up. Finally, he's been waiting days for this. And that's when you get that miraculous haircut. Now, Justin, do you have read receipts on? Because uh, I do Jeremy, not. Jeremy does. I do not. But Jeremy, you are... You are someone that has uh, a, a good amount of security in uh, your relationships. <laughs> the fact that you have read receipts on, because so many times it's been like, "Oh, Jeremy read this three hours ago." <laughs> oh, he did, did he? You know, That's it cool. is it is my own personal thing that, like, if I can't, if I know I can't respond to something in a prompt manner, I usually don't open it. Um, but that doesn't go very often sometimes, um, as you said, Craig. So I may, I probably should turn that off. <laughs> Jeremy, the difference between you and me would be if I had read receipts and I'm, I'm worse with my like family and close friends than I am like, you know, people who from the podcast, stuff like that. I am terrible. One of my best friends texted me three days ago and I have yet to respond best friends in the world but and that's why you don't put on red receipts because he would be furious if he yeah, i should turn those off i think i'm going to do that now uh- <laughs> well now i'm not going to know see you're either getting you're either getting these uh texts from me or your wife basically that's that's who you get these It'd texts probably from, be right? for the latter oops no okay. um- <laughs> all right 
<laughs> so let's go ahead. Uh, but yeah, you're right. The, the haircut scene that'll come later is just so perfect. And it's so glorious to see that it's cool to see that team camaraderie mm-hmm. because it very much reminds me of the trash can, the trash barrel scene that we got in season one, where it's just the team enjoying being with each other, that camaraderie that comes with that. It was just really cool. in that scene doing that a little bit out of order. Uh, we do see Ted go to the hospital to pick up Fieldstone. Uh, I thought it was interesting here again, that like athletic activism and the way that they have this, uh, writing there, she was trying to explain the difference between American football and English football. And he does mention something about like, Oh, there's a lot of to do about kneeling or something. So I, I thought that that was that a, written a, down for another section. Here, oh, you do. Okay. Well, maybe <laughs> I I'll save that for you then for sure. Um, but I love that we get to see Ted, uh, taking Fieldstone he- home here and getting her home safely. I also really enjoy hearing a lot of those voice memos oh because <laughs> this is something that we haven't, this is a side of her, uh, Sarah Niles's character that we haven't seen before. And I love seeing that side of the doc. Um, Justin thoughts on this whole hospital scene. Yeah. Well, perfect. It's, he's the last one that she wants to see whenever right. she, you know, and I love when the nurse goes, uh, your husband can take you home. And like, no, and we're not, we're not husband and wife. And Ted goes, we're just friends. And she goes, colleagues, and he colleagues. goes, friendly colleagues, you know, <laughs> like just the way he, he's not going to let it go, you know? And then I don't know if you noticed or not when he goes to put her coming, he goes, here you go, honey. You know what I mean? He just, mm-hmm. he is not going to let this moment pass. And then to talk about the phone calls or, or the voicemails that she leaves Ted for the first one to be this, she's supposed to be this empathetic uh, person that he can confide in for the first one to be like, if you're going to drone on for hours about nonsense, you know, it's just, it's absolutely fantastic. And then she breaks into song. It's, it's just the, the entire thing's done really well with the ups and the downs of the comedic performance. So. Yeah. And what I love about this show, Jeremy too, is that they drop in little bits of comic relief here. Cause they know that we're going to get some emotional beats here coming up. So we get this random scene with Roy and the teacher talking about Phoebe getting in trouble with all of the cussing that she's been doing. And uh, this was fantastic. <laughs> I love this scene. It really like, I, it'll be interesting to see where this plays from here. We do get a little bit of a payoff with it later in Roy uh, going and buying her ice cream and talking about how uh, he's going to try a little bit harder to not swear as much. Uh, but Jeremy, talk to me about this scene. Well, first of all, I gotta say, since my wife was a you know teacher uh, in a private school setting for a while before venturing out onto her own, um, there are many times when teachers have this thought, which is when Roy asks if the name that Phoebe called this kid, if this kid actually is that, and she goes, "Oh, of course." <laughs> when she's there, <laughs> I'm sorry, man, but all the teachers always think it. There are kids, <laughs> they're just like, oh man, yeah. Um, but you're right though that again, and Justin, you talked about this a lot in the last episode about the, the maturation of, you know, the fatherly Roy Kent here. Um, and this is honestly, I think the first time we ever hear about Phoebe's father um, in this whole series. I, I'm not remembering another time, um, but again, a, just an amazing line where it's just like he's again, cover your ears, everyone, but where Roy says that he's a piece of shit and and the teacher asks if he's alive and he's like, yeah, sorry, a living piece of shit. <laughs> it's so great. It's so well done. <laughs> oh, Brett Goldstein, you wonderful human. Um, but yeah, I, I do just love this because 
Phoebe was always, I think, the way that we saw Roy at the very beginning of this series as something a lot more than just the gruff veteran of the soccer club. Um, and now we're really seeing that there's a deep connection there where he feels responsible for her and that he has his own anxieties about how he is imprinting onto her and her way there. And of course he has that wonderful way of bringing that back around to make that a good thing. Um, but yeah, this was great. And, uh, I, I wouldn't mind seeing more of Phoebe's teacher because I think she did a great job here too. Completely agree. Justin, you have any insights into this? I know that you have a fourth grader. So have you had any of these conversations with teachers before perhaps? Um, okay. A couple things. One. So I coach nine and 10 year olds uh, in soccer girls every day of the week, pretty much. Okay. So I hear things that their parents don't even hear Two, Yes. My child sometimes says things that just the other night uh, she said, uh, walked into the pantry. She came out and she said, what are these? And I said, those are peanuts. She goes, D's nuts. And I go, uh, no, that's not what we do. I don't know where you heard that. Your mother must have said that. Um, <laughs> Your mother must have said that. The, the thing for me is there is a comedic moment in this. And it, like, the dialogue's great. It's written very well. But when the teacher kind of stares, there's not even like a lot said. The teacher stares at him when she says, do you know where, he, where, where she would have gotten this from? And he goes, hmm. And she stares and he goes, me, you see, you see it hit him. You know what I mean? Me, you know? And then the other thing is you see the lovability of Roy when he pulls in and, and she's like, can we get, you know, can we get ice cream? No. You know? And then she goes, can will you come inside and play uh, 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 princess and dragons? He goes, can I be the dragon? <laughs> no. Well, you better fix the wand. You know, it's just like, <laughs> it's just the comedic timing and the way it's delivered is so great, man. I love it. Mm -hmm. He's just a perfect character, isn't he? He's just it's like so fantastic. The, the perfect yeah. character for but our it's century. Also, but you're right. Like, the, but the way Phoebe brings that around is just like, yeah, I am like you, but I'm standing up to bullies because that's yeah, what you would do. Perfect. You know, like I absolutely loved it that they brought that around that like, yeah, okay, I'm getting cussing from you, but I'm also getting confidence and I'm getting, you know, a responsibility feeling for my classmates and stuff. I, I loved that part of that. I love too that it's it's weird that you see in a sports show that they kind of, in this one moment, he says, I'm a footballer. I can do these things. You know, like society looks down on me in a way that where this is acceptable. But you can grow up to be like a professional. And you see in his moment, the difference between him and Jamie or the difference between him and Nate. And the fact that he's like, I'm not a doctor or a lawyer or a veterinarian or a teacher. You know, I'm just a footballer. I play a game for a living. And so you see his mindset's completely different than the couple of these other guys that he's played with in the past or worked with in the past. And I think it's a huge moment for him. He's really becoming this like reflective, open-minded uh, Roy Kent that we haven't seen, you know, previously. So I like it. I look, I mean president of the Roy Kent fan club. So right, of course right. I like it. <laughs> so Jamie's dad is texting about getting tickets to Wembley. And this is where we get to see a bit that we hadn't seen in a couple of episodes, but it's Jeremy's yes. favorite. Higgins Traveling is in Higgins. the closet. Uh, <laughs> and I like that. He's like, Hey, if I spill something, the cleaning supplies are right here. This is perfect. Uh, and so Jamie's asking for his dad to get tickets here and has this conversation, this real heart to heart with Higgins. Again, another one of those Higgins lines that is just fantastic that might end up coming up later on. Uh, but it's just so great to, to see that he's trying so hard to help Jamie through this, 
But I'm right there with you, Justin. This is where I'm really feeling bad for Jamie because you're, you know, that his dad is just using him here. And that's, that is exactly what he's doing. But Jeremy, any thoughts on traveling Higgins and what we get in this beat? Yes. Again, uh, I just love that Higgins, no matter where he is in this building, he always has a smile on his face, um, which is great. Um, but yeah, you, there's this, that moment where, you know, Higgins actually admits here, like, yeah, I have a complicated relationship with my dad. Um, and Jamie, again, just very bluntly, you know, like there's nothing complicated about my dad. He's just a dick. Everything he does is what a dick would do. And you're right. Like, and, and it's, it goes back to that episode with the trash barrel that you talked about where this is the first time Jamie ever opens up on the show. And he says like, my mom just loves that. I'm happy playing football. And my dad just wants me to always be the best, always do, you know, be selfish and stuff like this. And he actually says, like, I really hate that. But still, even when he's calling him and hounding him about these tickets, he still wants or he doesn't want to, but he still feels like I have to do this or he's going to keep calling. and I don't want that. And again, it's just this interaction of, man, like Jamie is a broken person. And this is clearly the reason why. Absolutely. Justin, do you have anything to add there? No, just I, I think we need more Higgins. I you know, I think he's been less and less over the last little bit. I do like the uh, I can't remember if it was this episode or the previous one where there it was the previous one. We don't think we we discussed it when the first time Roy walks in and they're talking about him and they kind of just start doing like this. One thing that I, I, this is not me. This is again, being in, uh, you know, the internet and Ted Lasso groups and things like that. One thing that uh, was noticed was that Rebecca has changed his name in her phone from right. Higgins to Leslie, to Leslie, which I think is kind of nice. A uh, little bit of a really, really subtle subtext there for their relationship as well. So now uh, we do get Ted going to Fieldstone's home. We see lots of wine, lots and lots and lots and lots of wine. Uh, she offers Ted tea. We finally get that call back to come back around here. Uh, and it's just great to see that he's going to be uh, supporting her. And actually later on, this jumps ahead a little bit, but we do see that Lasso is going to call Fieldstone uh, just about every 20 minutes for that concussion protocol. And I love that he's going to do it in an, a different voice for her and makes her great. laugh. <laughs> and uh, that lovely line of like, oh, that's what it sounds like when you laugh. You know, that this is this is just really a foundation level Ted Lasso to me is that supportive person who's going to be there for you whenever you need them to be that friend that you can always call on. To me, that's Ted Lasso at his core uh, thoughts. There we'll go to Justin first, anything on the whole Fieldstone and Ted relationship here in the later scenes. Yeah. I think when they walk in the apartment for, uh, Ted finally realizes the real vulnerability that Dr. Sharon has. Um, he sees that, you know, you're not a complete person either. You know, it's okay. And I think that's when he starts to really be empathetic towards her. Um, as far as the, the calling every 20 minutes, the fact that he brings like a sling blade reference in, he brings, I mean, like, it's just, it's fan. It's, it's classic Ted. Uh, and <clears throat> for me, I don't know, man. Like I talked about last week, I didn't know where they were going to go with Dr. Sharon. This episode has made her into this new character that I think a lot of people can relate to where before she was unrelatable for m most of, you know, the viewing audience. Most people can't comprehend, you know, being a therapist and kind of being on that level uh, with intelligence 
And now she's kind of brought down a peg. You know, she's she's got that vulnerable side. And I, I kind of enjoy it. It's kind of an endearing, weirdly quality of her. Yeah. And this is also where we get her admission that, you know, like riding was her happy place and that now that's something that was endangered, but that Ted kind of helps her with that. And again, I think you're right, Justin, that it's so important that Ted sees this vulnerable side to her, because I think that is what gives him the unconscious permission at the end of this episode to finally tell her the big reveal and mm-hmm. the big thing there. Um, and I don't think without seeing this apartment and being there for her in this way that he gets to that point. Yeah. hundred percent agree. I tell you, uh, I think I mentioned it very early in this show that Brene Brown would have a mark on this he season. Did. And here we are talking all things vulnerability with uh, Brene watching and probably loving this series along with us. So then we get to go to see the dinner. This is going to happen. It turns out that Rebecca and Sam show up at the same place. This, this is just is such so a great. coincidence, isn't the way this? They so, this is so great. <laughs> it's so wonderful how they do this and uh, that they kind of slowly get to figure out who it is. And then they send the messages through banter. And that's when they find out. And the two different responses, like Sam is like, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, he's excited as hell. Sam's he's down, excited. man. Sam yeah, is down. Ready. Yeah. And then Rebecca's just like, no, this can't happen. And I do, I appreciate that they agree to have dinner together because then we get to have these lovely scenes of them having this great dinner. And then at the end of the night, they certainly, Rebecca allows Sam to walk her home or to get her to her house. And they do have that kiss. Uh, but Rebecca's very apprehensive about this whole thing. So we are going to get a bit more of this story beat as this episode goes along. Um, But we need to stop here and just see how are we feeling about this relationship? We talked a bit about it last week and some of the fan reaction to this relationship. But Jer, what do you think uh, where we are with their relationship now? I think this is going to win everyone over because you're right. Like the look on Sam's face is just very excited, you know, because I think that he's always liked Rebecca. He's always really, really had like this affinity for her. And especially their interactions have been very deep in the past. Um, And I do appreciate though, that even though I don't agree with it, I think that it's good that they address the, the age difference in a way that is respectful. Rebecca feels like she cannot do this, but then is ultimately, you know, okay, fine. What's, what can a dinner hurt? And then when you see their interaction, because we know we don't get to hear anything they're saying, but you can so tell that it's not even just attraction. It's just that they love being around each other and they genuinely love each other's company. And to, to spark it to the kiss there at the end, um, you know, she has a very reasonable reaction that you would have there, not even just with like an age difference thing, but just with a first date thing. Um, but you notice like when she gets back in that house, that reaction is what Roy was talking about in episode one this year, that spark, that lightning bolt that, that you should be looking for. And I think that now they're going to understand, even though, yes, I didn't even know that Sam was 21. I thought Rebecca was right that it was going to be like 24, but um, you know, like I, I think that this is going to win them over. And I think they're going to see that this is a relationship we need to keep, keep going with. Yeah. Justin, any thoughts uh, on this lightning that's happening before our eyes? Lightning is a great term because you get a lightning fast uh, character arc as far as the relationship goes. I <laughs> yeah. love her re- her reaction when she sits there. Sam's there. She's texting Keely and she goes, Sam's here. This is so awkward. Uh-huh. You know, and then she turns her phone and kind of taps it. She's like, hey, Sam says hi. But really, you know, or, or uh, Keely says hi. And Sam's like, oh, we'll tell her I said hello. Mm-hmm. You know, and then it is lightning fast. And like you said, Jeremy, the fact that 
he convinced her. He says, what's a dinner going to hurt? We're two people. We're hungry. Let's have dinner. And then instantly you it's almost like watching a montage. But in you know real time, instead of it being a montage, it's just you see yep. smiles, you see drinks clinking, and then the walk home and the and the the magical kiss at the end of the night. So it really is perfectly done in a very short period of time. But you get it the whole time, and your emotions are with it. You know, I remember when we when I first saw this scene or first saw this happening, I thought, "Ooh, I don't know," because in my heart of hearts, I thought it's going to be Ted. It's going to be Ted. But the more it goes, I get so excited, man. I'm like, I love it. I love the fact that here is this powerful, powerful woman, you know, and, you know, she's the boss. It's Rebecca. She stands up tall and is powerful (laughs) in every room she walks into. And here's Sam kind of this just soft spoken, younger, you know, polite, uh, well spoken minded gentleman that is coming in and just they mesh so well. Mm. And most people would say that it wouldn't work. And I think it's perfect. I think it's absolutely perfect. Again, we love Ted Lasso and we believe in rom communism. And here it is right here uh, on full display for us. So now we get to move into sort of the Wembley, the quarterfinal match here. And this is, of course, against Man City. The title of this episode is Man City. And that is, of course, the team that Jamie had played for and relegated AFC Richmond at the end of season one. And they are going to overpower them like crazy here. So I've got a lot to go through. There are, first of all, there was a story beat earlier in the episode where they actually walk into Wembley. Just some great classic Ted. They're trying to do Hoosiers so bad here. Oh my gosh. And you know, what's great about it is like, we haven't really gotten that like fish out of water Ted for a while. And this episode totally brings that back because what he's like, don't worry, it's still just the same size as this. And it's like, <laughs> nope, actually, it's not the same size. Uh, you know, like, <laughs> oh, that was old Wembley. This is new Wembley. You yeah, know, this is where bigger. Freddie Mercury was. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I just love that. But what's cool about, so I want to go through a bunch of this match stuff and then just get you all to uh, respond to kind of wherever you want to go with this. I love uh, seeing th- that Ted's doing some breathing exercises now. It's like he's taking in that therapy from Dr. Fieldstone and kind of moving from there he does finally open up to all the diamond dogs because roy is totally a member of the diamond dogs whether he wants to be or not (laughs) but he he opens that up and tells them about the panic attack that he suffered and then all of them have these confessions that start coming out and i love that about a group of friends really that you can then feel like someone else has put your trust in them and so now you feel like you can share with them as well we do see Jamie's dad walk into the match wearing a Man City Jamie Tart jersey because he's a piece of garbage. Uh, and then we go on to see Man City just cruise to victory here. I believe the final score is going to be 5 to nil, and uh, just a huge disappointment overall. And then we get to go into the locker room. So I know that that was an awful lot of the episode, so I want to get your reactions there because the stuff that happens in the locker room is pretty impactful. So Justin, any reaction to actually getting to see a little bit of football here, getting to see a little bit of the pitch uh, and what's going on for this match? This is a perfect example of trying to explain Ted Lasso to people. When you say it's a show about soccer, that's not about soccer. Yep. (laughs) You know, and, and this is a perfect example. We rarely see them on the pitch playing. Um, And as a soccer coach, soccer fan myself, I'm okay with it. I think I enjoy the way they do it. I I like the way <laughs> you said it perfectly. Ted is out of his element completely. I mean, completely. I like how he goes. 
this sport has the loosiest, goosiest rules I've ever seen. You know, it's just, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's all the players were just kind of like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it kind of does. You're right. They're not all the same. It's not, you know, it's different. Uh, I, I enjoy it. Like you said, Jamie's dad is just, he's just a terrible human being. The fact that he walks in, the fact that he's with his friend bug, I mean, if you have a friend bug, you need to check yourself. You need to see what's going on. You know what I mean? Because you have made you, you know some decisions. Him, you leave him on uh, red, right? You don't you don't respond. To it's him it's horrible. There, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would I would turn on my red receipts for him just to show him <laughs> I'm not answering you. How about that, buddy? Um, but yeah, and then like you said, going into the locker room, you're already for these guys. This loss is is heartbreaking. They wanted to perform better than this. You're already down. And then to have Jamie's dad walk in is the ultimate, ultimate uh, uh, kind of kick while you're down. It's horrible. This yeah. a dark that's twisting the, the blade show. there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, and that's you know you see him come into the locker room, and I will say that Jamie's punch. Uh, you know, you've mentioned this that Jamie is one of your favorite characters, and that Phil Dunster does not get the credit deserved. His look when he punches his dad is incredible. Mm-hmm. Like it's that. It's like it, it's one of those moments where you could teach that like reaction in acting classes. Like that's how good his reaction is. Go back and watch that quick reaction that he has right when he punches his dad. Um, and then, of course, Beard throws his father out of the locker room. And then who comes over? But again, looking at him as kind of the father figure to Jamie, here's Roy Kent coming over and giving him. Uh, one of the biggest hugs I've ever seen, just this big old guy hug. Um, and Jamie just starts breaking down and crying. Jeremy, your thoughts on either the match or also what happens in the locker room. Well, the only thing I'll say about the match is, um, anybody who follows the premier league knows that man City's the power. So mm-hmm. it's completely believable that they would, uh, you know, win five to nothing, but also though, there, there are some dynamics going on with the coaching staff in this match that are going to come into play, I think here, because you definitely see um, Nate getting frustrated with the lack of leadership. And for the very first time you see beard pretty mad at Ted that he does not have more of a grasp or that maybe it's just frustration, but like when Ted says, come on, it is what it is. And he just looks at him and he's like, yeah, you're right. It is what it is. And that's, that's not, that's not really just a frustration at losing that's pointed at Ted. And of course we're going to get that with their final interaction in this scene, but I just think that there's some really fascinating dynamics. And I think we are headed for a pretty big crash with this coaching staff at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, but specifically, like you said, with Jamie and his father, you're right, oh, man, Phil is putting on an absolute acting clinic here because even just from when his dad keeps berating him and will not leave. And he just keeps saying, you know, don't talk to me like that and how soft it is and how muted it is. And he can't even look up. He's just like catatonically looking down. It's like, he wants to stand up for himself, but there is something inside of his psychology where he just can't even do that. Even when he knows he needs to. And you're right. The punch, it's definitely this reflexive, like just release of all of this tension and aggression. And then you notice though, when he starts to get up, there is fear in Jamie's eyes. Now, I don't know if this goes back to childhood abuse. I would not be surprised, but even as this grown man who knocks this guy down, he still is afraid of what's going to happen next. I absolutely love that Beard's instinct is to go and and protect him from that. Um, You know, watch the door. Oops, just fantastic. Brendan Hunt never change. Um, But you're right. This, this hug from Roy Kent is 
it, it, it really does hit you hard because this is the first time I think Jamie's ever gotten any positive affirmation about many, many things in his life. Um, he doesn't have Akili. He doesn't have anyone really besides his mom. And he kind of shuts that part out that is that tells him, you know what? It's okay. You can be, you can be a little broken right now. You can be vulnerable right now. We're here for you. And just letting all of that out. And the fact, and the way that you see on Brett Goldstein's face too, that Roy is just absolutely like, this isn't just a, I've got you. This, this is literally a, I'm trying to impart on you that it's going to be all right. And he's trying to just hug that feeling into Jamie in that moment. And it's, it's absolutely breathtaking. And and the rest of the team, is uh, their reactions are great too. And of course it spurs the, the huge reveal of the episode. <laughs> yeah, it's an 18 episode arc really, because like mm-hmm. looking at episode one of season one and that interaction that Jamie and Roy have, and then it, it really caps off with this, that, that change completely in their characters and in that relationship. Um, you know, Justin, you mentioned earlier feeling badly for, Jamie, because of the interactions with his father, any thoughts that you wanted to add here? I think, I think you can sit and you can see this is Ted Lasso. The show in general does a really good job with a couple scenes with very little dialogue. Kind of talked about it last week. This may be the best one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The fact that the anger and frustration and hurt and, you know, on Jamie's face and he, he's bottling it up because that's all he's ever done his whole life is bottle it up. Mm-hmm. And I think Roy understands that because Roy bottles it up too. And Roy, you see that maturity, you know, that we've talked about it as he makes that walk over, not a word said in the locker room. Roy doesn't say a word. Jamie doesn't say a word. And it's the, one of the most powerful scenes we've seen in the entire series. Yeah. That Absolutely. is class act acting. It is unbelievable how well that scene is shot and, and played by every actor in the room. Now, this is a supersized episode. It's 45 minutes long and uh, there's so much to get into, but probably one of the biggest pieces to take out of this is that Ted is broken down outside of Wembley and he does finally reveal to uh, Dr. Fieldstone that his father committed suicide when he was 16 years old. And that uh, he certainly needs to talk to her about that, but he's not going to talk to her about it at this moment. Um, And he's, you know, that it's such a huge reveal. It's finally where we do see this arc of him not trusting her as a therapist coming to fruition. And now he feels like he can give this to her and that maybe they can work through some of this mental trauma that he has. Um, But then, you know, uh, while he at right after that happens, uh, Beard is saying that he's not going to go back with the team and that he does invite Ted out to have some drinks, but Ted's not going to be able to go. I, I got to tell you guys, this is like, uh, upon uh, rewatching this episode, I was like, where is Beard going? Mm-hmm. And are we, is this foreshadowing something that is not going to be great for Brendan Hunt's character. And so I want to get your reactions to those kind of two big story beats. And then we do get to end because it is a Ted Lasso show. They do want to try to bring us back to the positive. So we'll talk Rebecca and Sam here in just a second, but uh, kind of second to last thing here, Jeremy, your thoughts on the reveal uh, about Ted's dad, but then also on uh, where Beard might be heading to. I know he's your man. So (laughs) what's going on with him? 
Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know where he's going. Hopefully not to Jane's. That's going to be disaster. Um, no, but you're right. Like I, uh, we talked in the last episode how I thought like the father son dynamic is really driving this, the narrative and the, the emotions of this season. And this is a big one, man. Like, you know, it's, it, and again, call out to Sarah Niles here, her reaction on the phone to hearing this. It's not, <laughs> it's not a therapist reaction. It's a, it's a friend reaction it's it's literally like oh man you know like that it explains a lot but it's also like jesus I, i'm sorry like that sucks so much you had to go through that and the fact that ted you know we always he always talks so glowingly about his dad i wouldn't be surprised and i have no clue to justify this but i wouldn't be surprised if part of his hatred of therapy is that maybe it didn't work for his dad. Mm-hmm. Maybe his dad tried to get some help and ultimately he still killed himself. And maybe that's where a big, big part of this goes. Um, because you remember like when he was talking in the last episode about like, you know, it's bullshit and all this stuff, like that felt a lot more personal than just, did, yeah. you know, it didn't work for me with my wife. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised at that, but like, this is going to be this is going to be talked about for a while here because, you know, I, I mentioned last episode, they said this was kind of like an Empire Strikes Back season. This feels like a pretty low point in this, in this series here. Well, and that's why I'm worried about what's going to happen to, to Beard. Are we in a Is he spot getting in carbonite the, here? Because that would well, I feel like I feel like the next time the yeah, I love you. I know uh, <laughs> the, the next time we see him, I I. I am very scared the next time we see Beard, it's going to be, he's going to be in some kind of hospital bed. That's, uh, that's where my mind went with this. He's going out and drinking. He's not in a good headspace. Uh, I think that this could go dark pretty quickly. And so I'm worried about that. But Justin, uh, call my fears here. What do you think is going on <laughs> with Beard? What do you think is going to happen uh, as we move forward here in the season? I think you've called on the wrong person to calm your fears because I completely agree. As he <laughs> walks away, first, let me take it at this. There is a little bit of levity in their conversation between uh, Ted and the good doctor. Uh, when she's, when he says, you know, he, he tells her this impossible thing to tell anyone, you know, he he's, he's held this for so long. He doesn't even told, you know, it, it doesn't, it doesn't seem that he's told coach beard. It doesn't seem that he's told because instantly he dries his eyes. He doesn't want, you know, him to, to seem that way. He's held this for so long. Who knows who he's told in his past? But instantly she go. He goes. I don't know if this has to do. And she cuts him off immediately and goes. It does. It does. It mm-hmm. does have to do with with how you are. Um, I it, it, like I said, this is a twelve minute segment of just absolute vulnerability from every character around. Mm-hmm. And you keep thinking the comedy's going to come back. You know. Oh, maybe maybe the next scene. And then all of a sudden you get just. Boom. I mean, just drilled by this news. And it is just absolutely gut-wrenching because now you can see it. Now you can see the nights in the hotel room with the whiskey, you know, uh, all alone. You know, it's not just been the fact that his family's kind of fallen apart and his son is so far away and he wants to be an actor dad. This is something that goes much, much deeper. Yeah. And we are going to see, I think, in the future how deep this really goes. Like, can, can Ted confide in dr sharon and be able to work his way out of this because you can tell it really has been a hindrance on who he is and who he can become as a, as a human being um as far as far as beard i'm nervous because ted does bring some levity as he's walking away you know he's like the bird and he's like not that bird mm-hmm. you know and yeah. 
I just I think Ted even knows maybe I should have gone with him mm-hmm. as he sees yeah. him walk away. Yeah, that was uh, that hit me. This uh, rewatch of it, I I was I was a little scared for Beard. So we'll see where that ends up going. Uh, we do end on a slightly happier note, uh, quite a bit happier note actually. We do get to see Rebecca watching Sam's press conference after mm-hmm. the match, and then um, she does finally based on this wonderful line delivered that will probably end up as a Tedism. Possibly we see that she's going to text and see where he's at. He gives her his home address and says, I live here. And then of course she goes to the door to meet or to go out to uh, go to his place and who's there waiting, but Sam for her. And uh, I just love that. And how we end on that last line. Why did you send me your address? And then he said, for next time. Sam I, has game. Game. <laughs> oh, my, oh my goodness. So much game. You, he's been taking he's been taking some cues from Roy Kent. That's no what it is. doubt. That is a that is a baller move, my, my my friend. <laughs> that is well done, Sam. Well done. <laughs> for sure. Any thoughts uh, as we wrap up this episode and where we're at? Uh Justin, you're our guest. Any final thoughts on Man City? Uh, I think it was needed. I, th- I think the ending was needed. I think if they had left us on this emotional roller coaster of 10 minutes of just sadness and, and, you know, misery, you think, Oh, Whoa, what happened to my show? You know, this isn't the Ted Lasso. I know. Um, the I fact like my you, stories, Come you know on. what I, What's going yeah, on yeah, my yeah. I like my stories. I like to <laughs> sit down with my tea and watch my stories. Um, the thing I did notice though, I didn't expect it because did you notice that when Rebecca walks by and Sam's doing his press conference in the background, she actually looks kind of pissed to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like she, he smiles at her. He stops the press conference, smiles, kind of gives her a nod. And she walks by and kind of blows him off. And it just kind of looks like, Hey, I'm the boss. You lost five to nothing out there. (laughs) Yeah. What are you doing? Pay attention to what you're doing. And then you see the opposite. I think she's playing the role of boss, but down deep, she gets home and she's rewatching the press conference, you know, to, to see how he did and to see, and then instantly boom. And another thing too, I love that she goes from, you see the, the switch in her mind. She goes from banter to a text message. Mm-hmm. Yep. She goes, yeah. okay, we're not doing this through this app anymore. Like, if we're going to have a connection, I'm going to text you. And I'm gonna, we're going to have an actual legitimate connection to each other. And I think that's a key moment in their relationship. Mm-hmm. Completely agree with you there. Jeremy, any final thoughts wrapping us up on Man City? Uh, Justin did that perfectly. The only thing I will say is anytime you can end an episode with somewhere only we know, just always do it. It's one of the best songs ever written, I think. Um, and it's perfectly encapsulates their relationship too. We, I don't think Marcus Mumford gets enough credit for the song choices he makes in this series because they are perfect. I mean, even just, even just choosing like the jazzy blue moon, um, because of course, if you don't know, that is the theme song of man city. That's why they're singing it at the beginning of the, of the match and everything. Um, just the fact that like, it turns into like this, like kind of jazzy Benny Hill, like version of that song. I mean, it, it's pretty amazing that, that they do that and ending with that song for those two is pretty perfect. It is good that Apple is a trillion dollar company because they are paying (laughs) lots of money for these music licenses uh, throughout this season for sure. But what a great episode. It is kind of a longer episode, but let's dive right into our Tedisms of the week. Tedisms, where each week we share biscuits truth. All right. Thank you so much. The dulcet tones of Larry Smith. Now we go to 
Mr. Justin Suter, what is your Tedism or Tedisms of the week? Sir? I've got a few. I, it's like I said on the last episode, I like the quick quips. Uh, one of my favorite ones, and it's one of my favorite actresses, make like Shiver and leave uh, that Ted <laughs> delivers. It's fantastic. I will use that mm-hmm. over and over again. I can't wait to use that. And I'm going to go with something new. I don't think you all have done. I'm going to go with the first, I believe it's the first, Ted Almostism that we get okay. in this episode. And it comes... Uh, when at the beginning of the episode and he is sitting there talking to Dr. Sharon and she admits, she says, I'm sc- I was scared, Ted. I was scared today. And he says, fear is like underwear. And she goes, stop. And you don't get the end of it. You don't get the end of the Ted almostism. And so yeah. I am, I, I like it. I like it too. I like it too. I also have a first, this is a non verbal Tedism. My nonverbal Tedism is Roy's hug to Jamie because Ooh, love that it. is everything that is Ted Lasso right there happening uh, right in front of our eyes. And that's why, you know, you get a little weepy when you see mm-hmm. that. Uh, I have some others, but I'll save them just in case Jeremy wants to mention them. Any other Ted-isms you want to say, Jeremy? So the only one from Ted in this episode that I got is a very quick one in Sharon's apartment where she says to him, I have water and wine. And he looks at her. He's just like, Ooh, chicken and the egg. Eh? <laughs> Which is just so perfectly Ted. Um, but uh, there's also one that Dr. Fieldstone has at the beginning on the phone call where she's talking about her frustrations with Ted um, and his refusal to open up. And she says, and when he gets anywhere close to being vulnerable, he fires off a zinger of some obscure reference about something very specific to a 40 year old white man from middle America. <laughs> it's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. Yeah. yeah. Pitch perfect there. But um my, my big one is uh, Higgins's big line in the episode. And I don't know if I'm taking it from either of you, but where he says to Jamie in there, I try to love my dad for who he is and forgive him for who he isn't. Hmm. Um, and I think that that's great advice. Not good for Jamie's dad, but um, really good advice overall from, again, from Leslie Higgins. How about give you? Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. I was no, say, let go. me give you another Higgins one. Ready? I think this is Higgins to a T closed. I get less questions that way. Yes. Whenever he's in the closet. <laughs> oh. um, Phoebe coming on the board for me with a Tedism because we get this great scene where she's eating ice cream of Roy and Roy says, sometimes I get concerned that I'm infecting you with the worst parts of me. And she says, I'm as good as the best of you. Mm. And I'm just like, Oh, Phoebe <laughs> coming through with it. And um, one last one, Craig, just for you here when he's talking about in the hospital, uh, yeah, well, I watched a lot of Grey's Anatomy in my 30s. And actually, I coach football, the American kind, with all the concussions and hullabaloo about kneeling. <laughs> hullabaloo about kneeling. That's so, what it's it so well done. That's what it was. Um, <laughs> and we get a callback to T again in this episode. Yes. Oh, well, no, sorry. I don't care for that garbage, uh, yeah. which is just so great. And then Beard, that's another rift, right? Because Beard likes tea now. Oh, my God. But uh, how great was that, that line? Later. Drink a tea now, huh? And he's like, I didn't know how to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> but Brendan then, Hunt uh, is amazing. My last one, because we have to end on an optimistic note, uh, because this is Ted Lasso after all. It comes from Sam, and it's the quote that wins over Rebecca's heart. But we tried, we gave it everything we had, and that's okay because it is worse, it's worse to not try at all. To try is scary because you can end up losing a lot. You have to put your hat out there. Otherwise, what's the point? I love that like grit and that stick to itiveness. It's just fantastic. Classic lasso. Thank you, Sam, for bringing that around. Speaking of thank yous, 
Justin, you joined us for the last two weeks and this has been phenomenal. Thank you so much. These are some heady, weighty episodes to get in on. Yeah, where was I on the Christmas episode? I right? had to, I, my emotions are, are a roller coaster right now. I don't know what to do. I, you know, uh, thanks guys. I can't I can't say thank you guys enough. I really enjoyed spending this time with you all talking. My favorite show uh, to watch, Ted Lasso. I think it is the perfect television show that America and the world needs right now. Now, for those of you uh, that hadn't listened to last week's episode, that are skipping around like animals and monsters mm-hmm. while listening to this podcast, Justin, tell people where they can find you. Certainly, yep. Disney Dads Podcast. You can find us anywhere you find podcasts. If you like Ted Lasso, you will love the Disney Dads Podcast because we are fun, family-friendly. And uh, come over and join us on Facebook, Disney Dads Podcast Family on Facebook, or all the other social medias. And uh, if you have a problem finding any of those, just go to DisneyDadsPodcast.com. And of course, you can uh, contact us by emailing us at frontrowlasso at gmail.com. Now, Jeremy, I'm going to break some behind the scenes here, if that's okay with you, boss. Surely. Here's the deal. Programming note. You have been getting these episodes basically (laughs) at midnight, the day of the release of the episodes. We told you a long time ago in our preview, when we we didn't even know that peanut butter and biscuits was going to be a for sure thing that we were given access by Apple TV plus to some episodes of Ted Lasso. Turns out we were given up eight episodes of Ted Lasso. <laughs> here, guys. We've been so, watching these for a while. <laughs> so here is the deal. Uh, we don't know when we're going to get episode nine. Uh, it is possible that we will be getting it just like you do. So maybe we might have a slightly later re- release schedule. And so if you're wondering First thing in the morning, where's my peanut butter and biscuits? That's why uh, we are taking just a little bit more time there. But as we go towards the end of the season, honestly, that's why I am so interested in what's going to happen to Beard and what's going to happen to these characters, because I don't know uh, going forward here. And that's really exciting to me. We're going to have to maybe bring uh, some of you back, uh, Justin, maybe Nick, to talk about the finale and moving towards uh, the end of season two. And then, of course, at the end of this season, we will probably take a couple of weeks off and then start hitting our rewind button and looking at season one, because we did miss out on season one. We got to go check it out and uh, rewatch it and relive it with all of you. So it's just been really fun getting to do this. Thank you so much for listening to peanut butter and biscuits. Tell all of your lasso friends out there uh, to definitely check us out. Any final thoughts before we leave Jer? No, uh, I will just say that um, today you should also be getting a new episode of Are You Afraid of the Podcast on the Tale of Cutter's Treasure Part 2. So come on over for that sweet, sweet 90s horror teen anthology pirate action. Uh, Sure. (laughs) We, you know what? You had so much, you had legitimate fan mail for Are You Afraid of the Podcast that it's back. So I'm glad for them. I love their 90s horror teen anthology series breakdowns, man. I don't know to tell you absolutely (laughs) absolutely so for peanut butter and biscuits i am craig i'm jeremy and i'm justin and as always be a goldfish thank you for listening to this episode of the front row network a proud community voices member of national public radio illinois for more from the Front Row Network, including our articles or our other dozens of shows, visit thefrontrownetwork.com or nprillinois.org slash programs slash network. You can also find us on social media by searching for the Front Row Network on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram, and on Twitter at Front Row Reviews with a Z.